Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is brought to you by Blue Chew. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick shit out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Stuck him right there, got on him Rebels colors too, them Mississippi colors. Yeah, oh, oh. He done rocked himself. He, he rebelled out. Here you go, Bunkhouse Buck, no go to wail on him a little bit right here. He's going to take advantage of this. Oh, man, the stop. Rebel tried to turn out of it to no avail, however. And look out. Rebel, you better get your head out of the canvas. They really get stomped into it. That's just what happened. Well, the mayor of Buck's not. He's one guy that won't cut anybody a break. We want to get a ticket going through Bucks North. No help from the mayor, huh? Well, him and Dick Slater look really good. They they fine-tuned. They see what I mean? They are taking care of their business. Now, Cunner Parker got to take care of business right here. And that's going to do it. The one, two, three, and the Rockin' Rebel. And the World Tag Team Champions. A victory this morning here on TBS on WCW Pro. Christopher, you, are you going to go down there? Find out something before you go. Yes. Find out about that kissy face they've been doing with Sherry. I want to know all about it. I want to know where his head's at. I'm off to talk to the Colonel and his team. And on the way back, give me a coffee, cream, and sugar. This is the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling, brought to you today and powered by our feature sponsor, Blue Chew. Stay tuned a little bit later on in the show to find out how you can save $5 on your very first shipment of Blue Chew at bluechew.com and listen to all the benefits that you can have in your life by taking advantage of our very special offer, but a little bit more on that later on in this episode. 
And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and usually here on the intro, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP John Paz. But today we got some uh, two-man power trip of wrestling business going on. So flying solo for this introduction here, as was John in this interview today with our guest, Jimmy Golden, a.k.a. Bunkhouse Buck, who's going to be appearing on November 10th at the big event number 15, courtesy of our friend Nick and Captain's Corner. And for more information and to reserve your tickets, head on over to freewebstore.org backslash captains-corner and find out event signing times as well as pricing information on not only meeting Bunkhouse Buck, but also not only his cousin, but his former manager, Colonel Rob Parker, a.k.a. Robert Fuller, and our good friend Larry Zabisco, as well as Samu of the Head Shrinkers, the Brooklyn Brawler, and so many more that are going to be at the big event on November 10th, Saturday, November 10th, at the LaGuardia Plaza Hotel in Queens, New York. And it's going to be an amazing afternoon featuring just so many stars in professional wrestling, including the Bullet Club, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks. Every star you could possibly think of is going to be at the big event. And get over to the big event's Facebook page and see the entire listing of stars that will be in attendance. But let's talk about bunkhouse buck aka jimmy golden who's a former wcw world tag team champion a former wcwa tag team champion a former two-time cwa tag team champion and from the illustrious fuller welch wrestling family a family that i feel like goes a little bit under the radar in terms of the grand scheme of wrestling families uh throughout the history of the business but when you think about a guy like bunkhouse buck it's actually kind of ironic that his former tag team partner Dirty Dick Slater passed away last week, and not many outlets covered the death of Dirty Dick Slater, and I don't know if that has to do with some sort of a generational thing, uh, being that, you know, the guys that get a lot of the heavy coverage are the big-time, you know, WWF stars, the uh, Federation era, the LJN era, as I like to say, but a guy like Dirty Dick Slater, who was a territory guy and did have a cup of coffee in the WWF in the mid-80s as well as having two pretty good runs throughout his time in WCW. Uh, It's the teaming with Bunkhouse Buck that I think a lot of the fans do remember from the 95-96 era. The two of them really looking like the uh, the dirty, gritty veterans of the roster and two guys that looked legit as hell and could beat your ass and uh, definitely were a really cool pairing. But Jimmy Golden, a.k.a. Bunkhouse Buck, I mean, what can you say about what he did throughout the, the coastal leagues down there in Florida and Alabama? And you think about the uh, the territory of the Welches, and you think about the CWA, and you think about all the things that he did down there with his cousins, the uh, the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller, and obviously Robert Fuller, who would be his manager in WCW, uh, portraying Colonel Rob Parker, uh, Bunkhouse Buck being a part of his stud stable. But so many cool things that John gets to cover in this interview with Bunkhouse Buck, including all that time in WCW, and uh, just a lot of the great territory stories that if you don't get these guys on the show you don't get these guys on the phone and on the line to talk about these these stories aren't going to get out there because bunkhouse buck is a guy i'd considered to really not be doing a lot of interviews these days and again we kind of put that feather in the show's cap because that's the platform that we try to bring to you every week is we try to bring you something different and we try to bring you something that may not be found uh and any of the other shows And again, if you've discovered Jimmy Golden as Bunkhouse Buck in WCW, then like I said, you know they were a gritty team, him and Dirty Dick Slater. I mean, you talk about being tag team champions at one point, 
and being able to defend those titles and stay around for two years, you know, it's a, it's an impressive thing. It's a, it's definitely something. If you took part in that era of wrestling, you know, you made a lot of money, which is really good because WCW was handing out some pretty nice contracts. But you also were involved in an era of wrestling that definitely never ever going to be duplicated here ever again. And I think that you'll take away from this interview that John did with Bunkhouse Buck that this is a guy who just really appreciates the time that he's had in wrestling. He appreciates what his family has brought to the table in wrestling. And I don't mean his family as Jack Swagger, which he did have a cup of coffee as uh, Swagger's dad on, uh, on SmackDown for a little bit of time in the, uh, the late 2000s, which is kind of funny. And, uh, you know, you think about what he can really bring to the table and you think about the fact that he was in the AWA and the USWA and he was in Continental, and he was in these grave territories that we're going to hear all about in this interview with Bunkhouse Buck. So I don't really want to beat around the bush. I want to get into this interview, and I want you to hear for yourself some of the, uh, the great stories that are headed your way. So we also want to remind you, in addition to Blue Chew, we want to send you in the direction of WrestlingSuperstore.com and FiguresToyCompany.com. And you hear me say it every week, Figures Toy Company is giving you a line of action figures that are not going to be seen anywhere else in the action figure world as you've got over 30 superstars to choose from in the action figure lines of the rising stars of professional wrestling and the, and the legends of professional wrestling line featuring our co-hosts on the Triple Threat podcast, the franchise Shane Douglas, as well as Jim Cornette, Mikey Whipwreck, the Blue Meanie, New Jack, Jerry Lynn, and Just Incredible. Just a few names to throw at you here. And of course, those rising stars. How can you deny guys like Sammy Callahan, Tomatonga, Cole Cabana, Jeff Cobb, and so many more? So head on over to figurestoycompany.com right now and check out those. And hey, the holiday season's coming, so make your plans early to get some of these for your friends, for your family, or add them to your own collection. So, with that being said, let's hit them with a little bit of two man power trip of wrestling business and let's get it on over to Jimmy Golden, a.k.a. Bunkhouse Punk. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former two-time CWA World Tag Team Champion, a WCWA World Tag Team Champion, and alongside the late, great Dirty Dick Slater, a former WCW World Tag Team Champion. You may remember him as Bunkhouse Buck, but he is Jimmy Golden. Please enjoy. 
Okay, joining us on the line now is a former two-time CWA World Tag Team Champion, a former WCWA World Tag Team Champion, and of course a former WCW World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Jimmy Golden or a Bunk House Buck. Welcome to Power Trip of Wrestling. Thank you, John. It's always nice to be talking to somebody in New York City. <laughs> Absolutely, and Speaking of New York City, you will be here in November. Exactly, it is November 10th, and that is at the big event. You will be with Captain's Corner, and of course, Captain's Corner, you can find them on Facebook or at their free web store, which is freewebstore.org slash captain-corner. And of course, we're talking about a big event, Saturday, November 10th, LaGuardia Plaza Hotel in New York City. How do you feel about coming up to New York City? Man, it's always exciting to be coming to the big city, to the Big Apple. You know, I've, I've been there one time before, but uh, you know, it's, for me, an old country boy from Tennessee, it's a big deal to go to New York City. <laughs> now, you said you've been there once before. Was it wrestling related? Uh, yes, uh, there was a promoter in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, that we and uh, wrestled a couple of shows up there just outside of New York City. Actually, I can't remember the names of them. This has been, this was back in the late 90s. Um, actually, we rode a bus up there to the commissioner's office in downtown New York City. I, there was a great driver to drive that bus because it's, it's a big bus, and he parked it up there in front of the, the commissioner's office, and we all went in there and got our, our license. We had to take a physical and a test and all that business, you know. So, But I was impressed with this beautiful city of New York. Now, what were your kind of uh, thoughts? A little bit of uh, shell shock? Is it a lot different with the, the traffic and the congestion and, and all the craziness that, that involves New York City? Now, of course, you know, you you got to deal with that, but still, it's, a, you know, a fascinating place. It's probably one of the prettiest cities in the world, you know, the way I see it. I, I watch the Paul Feinbaum show a lot. I'm a big football fan. You ever watch Feinbaum? Oh, yeah. He just, yeah. Up there, when he's up there, they show a, a, a picture of the city from the air from a helicopter or a drone. But it's beautiful, really beautiful. I enjoy seeing it. So I'm going. I'm looking forward to the trip on the 10th and uh, and meeting all the wrestling fans there. We're going to be signing autographs and taking pictures. Now you know you're kind of a, a rare get, especially in New York City, as far as signings and taking pictures and stuff. Is that you know something that uh, you, you know you want to start to do more of, or? or it's just that nobody, you know, had booked you for New York. You definitely seem like a rare guy up, up north as far as signings and things like that. That's yeah, true. Like I said, I've only been there one time before. Uh, Bunkhouse and Jimmy Golden mostly stayed in the south. Now, I've been around the world a couple of times. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I first started in, in the early 70s, I took a trip to Japan in uh, 72, to Australia for a couple of months. 
<coughs> excuse me. And then uh, that same promoter in Charlotte, North Carolina, we took some trips for the military and went to Saudi Arabia and Kuwait, Bahrain, and back to Japan, a little island in the in the middle of the Indian Ocean, Diego Garcia, um, just all all around the world. So, bunkhouse seen a lot of places, man. Hmm. Was New York a, a place that you always wanted to work, or did you have any desire to work for New York, or you kind of didn't care because obviously you know you were getting booked all over the world anyway? Uh, you know, I, I feel like that I missed the the, the boat there by not uh, working, you know, trying harder to get into New York. Uh, it just was discussed a lot of times. I never really pushed the issue back in my prime days of, of being in my prime uh, because, you know, I was, I'm from the South, used to be in the South. If you get, when you get me up in New York City, up in there, I'm lost, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yep. Somebody's got to show me around for a while. Uh, so, you know, it'd be just totally different for me. But, hey, you know, money talks, brother. <laughs> all, all the big bucks is in the, in the big city. That is true. I'm always curious because you did end up with the WWE, you know, in 2010 or so when, when Vince brought you in as Jack Swagger's dad. So I'm always just curious, you know, through really the – the meet in the, the the prime of your career, you didn't get there. But after you retired, you got basically brought into WWE. How did that whole thing come about? Uh, Michael Hayes. I've, I've known Michael since a long time when Michael first got into business. And of course, Michael, you know, he's he went a long ways, and he ended up. And uh, I saw him at a reunion in Mobile. Alabama, and and I never talked to him again after till till I was at the show. A lady called from the company and asked me about doing the deal as as Papa Swagger, and I said I'm your man. But that was so like random, but so cool. I was like, oh my god, Bunkhouse Buck and Jimmy Golden was playing Jack Swagger's dad. So what did you kind of think of that role, and then how did you take to it? Well, it was, you know, it was fine with me. Uh, you know, I had to take the uh, the choke slam and the tombstone <laughs> from 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 our new mayor over here in Knoxville, the mayor of Knox County now. Yep, yep. Which is just a little ways from me. And uh, so, but, you know, it all worked out great. The money was there. Vince and everybody treated me great. Uh, just, I never did get to go back anymore. I tried to get them. I wanted them to slam me every night <laughs> until I break. In other words, you know, because that's what it's all about, man, is, is being able to, to work, right? Absolutely. And I just love that, you know, you were there and can say, you know, you, you worked for New York. And I love that, you know, the pairing with Jack Swagger. What did you think about Jack Swagger? I thought Jack was great. Real nice guy, and you know, big strong boy had a great background, and it was a good worker in the ring. You know, so what I saw of him, Jack was a good, a real good hand. Is that something that maybe you could have 
had more legs to it or was it only did you know did they tell you it's only for a certain period of time like temporary and then we're going to move on that it was you weren't going to be you know his full-time manager or anything like that right yeah i, I was trying to get that but for some reason it didn't pan out ended up dutch mantel mm-hmm. yep. became his manager after that i was heartbroken that they didn't take me but dutch dutch you know he, he convinced them to do it, the, the deal that he had, uh, the Coulter gimmick. Yep, Zeb Coulter. I wonder if, you know, they could have uh, kept you there and him, but I guess maybe it would have been a little bit overkill, I guess, if he, if he technically, you know, had, had his dad, quote-unquote, and then he had another manager with him. But said you wanted to stay and, and, you know, you were heartbroken that you didn't. How did they explain to you that, that they weren't going to basically keep you? <laughs> it, it was real simple. A girl called up and said they didn't need my services anymore. <laughs> and just, <laughs> just like that. I didn't, I didn't argue with her about it, cause, especially with her. But I had, had talked to guys uh, that, that were in the office when I was up there that I'd known for a long time about getting a spot, being a road agent, referee, it didn't matter. I've done anything, you know, because if you work for WWE, you're going to make good money. That is very, very true. So kind of what have you really been up to? I mean, obviously that was about eight years ago or so, but what has Punkhouse Buck, what has Jimmy Golden been up to the last couple of years, obviously uh, enjoying retirement from the wrestling business outside of signings and things like that, but you do periodically still wrestle, right? Yeah, and that's more in, in, in a manner of the training session. There was a, a show in Dothan, Alabama. The motor down there is, runs every year, and me and my son actually did a couple of shows down there. Excuse me. And and then there's been a, you know, a few shows over in North Carolina that we've done, and uh, a couple here locally in, in East Tennessee. But they're they're rare, and, and they're basically just, for me, it's just a getting in there, trying to pass on what I know to the younger guys. Because I can't, you know, I'm too old to do it anymore. And uh, so it was more to help my son and other younger guys come along. Is your son still aspiring uh, to wrestle and things like that? Like, are you basically kind of his full-time, um, I guess, mentor, so to speak, or his full-time trainer? No, no, I'm not full-time trainer. And I was just, he, he wanted to try it out some, but I'm telling him all along, son, that you need to get a real job and do the wrestling thing on the side. Because right. Because it's not there anymore. You know, if you don't if you don't wrestle for for WWE or some, one of this Impact or something, then you know it's not there. You're not gonna make a living at it. Uh, so, but it, it was just a thing that we were playing around with because uh, it's like I said, it's just not the same anymore. It definitely it definitely isn't. I mean, when back in you know your prime, your heyday, there were so many territories and so many different places to work. You kind of you know, sometimes you know you look back and you're kind of like, man, you know, maybe um, we took it for granted all these awesome 
wrestling territories and these awesome places to work and these awesome places to make money. You think that Vince kind of killing the territory system, do you think that hurt wrestling in the long run? It's hard to say, man. You know, I don't know. Vince has always done good at his end, but he sure put the rest of us out of business. Hmm. Right? Yep. You know, I mean, so since that, it's been just, you know, here and there, uh, local deals, here and there, get them. And so it's not been a whole lot. Um, So, you know, I miss that. You, You could always get a job somewhere. You know, it territories like three, Texas is a big enough state. It had three or four territories. You know, it had you had you had Paul Bosch. It ran Houston, everything around it, and the Von Erichs was in in Dallas, <coughs> and then the uh, Funks was in Amarillo, and and Blanchard was in San Antonio. Yeah, there's all, all different territories there. See, you could you know if you was good enough talent. You could work for any of them guys, but basically, you know, and, and there was territories out in Oregon and Washington, California, you know, it's a lot of different places. Plus, and then there was always McMahon in New York in the Northeast. But then cable TV came out. <laughs> yep, and kind when of the cable, uh... when the cable came out, and Vince got on that, this then the rest of us. <laughs> Cable TV was kind of the beginning of the end of a lot of the territories, but, you know, another territory you kind of left out was obviously the, the continental area with, with your cousin basically running it for a while, too. And I know that um, he had some chances to get on cable and different things like that. But at that point, you kind of didn't know if cable TV was going to be what cable TV turned out to be, right? I mean, you kind of it was almost a crapshoot, but Vince was ahead of the curve. That's you're right. Yes, he was. He's thinking ahead. He's a smart man. He's a smart man. You know, he's as my grandfather used to say, you get to thinking you're real smart, just sit down and count your money. Hmm. <laughs> this is you know, to some people it's all about money. Yep. You can't never get enough. That's not always been the case with me. I've always been kinda of happy with just being one of the boys having a good time, and making a decent living. And I didn't have to make a million dollars a year. None of that. I just, I enjoyed the business and being around the boys. That's been, that's been all my life. And it's really a family affair for you as well. I mean, your dad was a wrestler. Your cousins, obviously, the very famous Robert and Ron Fuller and, and Rob, will be with you at the big event, which is really cool. You guys will be doing uh, some photo ops together. What's that kind of like when when you got a lot of your family ingrained in the business and you guys are basically all lifers, if you will. You're all wrestlers for life. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's just been great, actually, you know, because we, we were together ever since we were little boys a lot. And played together, you know, when we was together a lot and wrestled. And Grandpa Roy used to stretch me and Robert all the time. I lived with him for a while. My mother and dad got a divorce, and I lived with Grandpa Roy. He was the one that got it all started for all of us over in West Tennessee. But uh, when he'd come in, 
on the weekends, wherever he could catch me. That's where it would happen, the living room floor and the basement, it didn't matter. We we went at it and I always lost, of course. <laughs> but he never he never hurt me. He never drew any blood, but he made me scream bloody murder. He thought I was dying. So, you know, I I, I but I enjoyed I, I he was a lot of fun doing that and then I had the uh opportunity to wrestle with and work out with the rest of the family members, Robert and Ron. Their dad was a fantastic wrestler, and the Hatfield boys, they were really good. So it was a big family affair, and so it, you know, worked out good for me. Such a great legendary wrestling family. So much lineage there, obviously, with the Welsh, it's, like I said, starting it off and really kind of getting everybody involved, and the Fuller's coming in, and you got the Golden. So it was quite a great family legacy and great lineage you guys had. And it kind of maybe goes under the radar. People always, you know, they mention uh, the Funks or the Briscoes, but, you know, they can't not mention you guys, right? I mean, you guys shouldn't be uh, forgotten in, in those great legacy as far as group of family that was associated with the business for so long. That's true. And I, I would say that we had the largest wrestling family that I know of, you know, myself and Robert and Ron, which they're, they're Welches. They, they're, the ring name's a Fuller. Uh, and then Roy had uh, three other brothers that wrestled. And then his sister had uh, had uh, three boys that wrestled. His sister married a man named Virgil Hatfield. And they had three boys, Lee, Bobby, and Don Hatfield, they were fantastic in the ring, man. It just, of course, I'm personal. You know, I always got come up watching them, watching them and, and Buddy Fuller, uncle. He's my uncle. And and the Welches, Herb and Roy and Lester, they were all good in the ring. So, you know, and I just you come up watching that, man. You know, it's, it's hard not to get your nose in it somewhere. You guys, I mean, throughout the years, it's just crazy. You're like, you're right. It might be the largest wrestling family. It's just so many different, obviously, cousins or, or brothers or whatever. I mean, there's just so much history there with you guys. I love that when you guys get to Continental and you guys are all together, even, you know, when it was end of the in America, but then uh, ECW when the Southeastern Championship Wrestling and then Continental, I mean, it was just, and it just keeps going on and on and on, obviously, from what Welsh's to Fuller, uh, basically, one point. I just love that you guys create the stud staple. Was that something that, because it, it basically travels with you for almost your whole career at, at one point. Is that something you really thought was like, man, this stud staple gimmick is uh, something that's got a lot of staying power? Yes, it did. Uh, uh, Ron started out with being the Tennessee stud. You know, he had the territory here in Knoxville. And me and Robert was, was wrestling for him. We were all wrestling up here. And not this Knoxville territory was one of the best territories. Ever. I loved it here. It was easy to work. It was home every night. And we partied our butts off every night if you wanted to. And, you know, we just had a great time. But that all came to an end. 
and we ended up going to Pensacola and Mobile. And that's where the Continental came in at later on down there. And, uh, and did real well down there for a long time. And then things finally came to an end. And, of course, we were, we were having the opposition from WWE at the time. So we ended up letting it go. But there for a long time, it was really, really nice. Ron Fuller, Rob Fuller, yourself, really that whole unit did travel from the Knoxville territories, like you said, down to Pensacola, was continental. Obviously, then, you know, you and Rob had stud stable in WCW, which is great. But as far as continental, you know, I know you mentioned the Hatfields, obviously, which is very your family. But when I think of Hatfield, I always think of the Hatfields and the McCoys. And I always think of Armstrong's and the Fullers or the Armstrong's and, and the stud stable kind of had their own Hatfield and McCoy thing going on where you guys just, Feuded forever. Yeah. Seemed like it was just one of those natural, amazing feuds. What were your kind of feelings uh, on the Armstrongs? Because that is a legendary, legendary feud with those guys. Yeah, they they all good, man. Bob, you know, I've known Bob for a long time, and then his boys finally got old enough to wrestle. Like Brad was the first one that came around. He was a heck of a worker. He's he was just like us. He he's born in it. And just a natural for it, and and uh, Stevie and uh, Brian and Scott, all of them did good down there, man. They all wrestled, and we we fought it out with them for several years down there, and did real good, back and forth, you know. There for a while, I was a babyface for a long time, then I was a heel for a long time, and then back babyface. We all worked it because we owned part of the territory. We was all a group of us down there together, and we all stayed and worked it every possible way that we could think of, and made it work for a long time. And it was really, it was really good. Such a memorable feud, such a great feud. I mean, cage matches, the bloody brawls, street fights, any kind of gimmick or anything you can think of for a feud. You guys really did it. You kind of look back fondly on, on, on just some of those bloodbaths you guys had, and some of those just crazy cage matches and brawls you had. Just very epic stuff. Yes, yes, uh, good stuff, man. I got a lot of it on tape, and uh, you know you can see a lot of it on the net. Uh, so you know it brings back a lot of good memories. Uh, Bob Armstrong said that those. Ten years we were in Pensacola. He said that was the greatest time of my life. And that's saying a lot too, Bullet Bob. I mean, he's been everywhere and done everything, so that's definitely saying a lot. Yes, yes. Pensacola, Pensacola was a beautiful place to live. And the only sad thing about being on the Gulf like that is, is we just saw what happened to Panama City. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bless their heart down there, man. That's you know, if you're going to live on the coast, you got to deal with them storms. But when the storms are not there, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's like living here in East Tennessee. You know, we've got the Smoky Mountains and the lakes, and it's a beautiful place. Uh, so, you know, I enjoy that. I'm going to enjoy coming to New York City because it's a beautiful place, too, in a different way. So it's a 
nice change to come up there for a couple of days and see all them wrestling fans that I'm going to get to meet. Oh, yeah. And, and hang out. Yep, and hang out with your uh, cousin, Colonel Robert Parker, a.k.a. Robert Fuller. You see yep. him a lot still uh, or, or no? No, they, they live down just outside of Tampa, Florida, but I talk to him on the phone quite often. As a matter of fact, I talked to Robert just uh, couple of days ago and we was talking about this trip to New York. It'd be good to see him for a few hours and then we'll be separated again. But every every once in a while I get to go down there and see him and every once in a while they get to come up here. So we, we do get to visit back and forth. Was that always a conscious effort of you guys kind of sticking together and going different places like for instance, AWA or USWA or Smoky Mountain, did you guys always kind of want to stick together when you were making your moves and deciding to jump from promotion to promotion? Yes, we did. We did several times there. We would, we stayed together. We left uh, the Continental scene and went to uh, Jerry in Nashville and stayed together there. And then we went out to Dallas some and. Worked with Von Erich some out there, and uh, a couple of trips to Chica- to Chicago for AWA. Uh, but they Jarrett was working with uh, the uh, the man out of Chicago in Minneapolis. Oh, Vern Gagne. Vern Gagne. Yep. And uh, you know, so we we made several shows with them, and then uh, yeah, we tried to keep it together as much as we could. Because we just, you know, we worked together so well. We've, we've been together off and on most of our lives as, as kids and then growing up in the business, and, you know, it just matched so well. Plus, me and Robert are about, about the same size, and we look a lot alike. So that worked out good on the tag team situation. Now, I'm thinking back to WCW specifically, because that's kind of when I... I really remember you just being, you know, like awesome, basically. I mean, I loved you in WCW, especially with Colonel Robert Parker. I just thought, like, obviously, great in Continental, Smoky Mountain, and USWA along the way, but I remember so many great things with you in WCW. Like, I automatically think of you and Dust very long feud, and obviously he feuded with Colonel Robert Parker's stud stable as well, and Arn Anderson and Terry Funk, but your matches with Dustin really stick out above those matches you remember, you know, fondly, I guess, the, the feud with Dustin Rhodes as fondly as, as I remember it? Oh, yeah. I'll never forget it. So the bunkhouse thing was totally different from me. I was somebody else. You know, I wasn't Jimmy Golden anymore. I didn't have to be a certain kind of guy. I didn't have to try to be nice to everybody because bunkhouse was somebody. My own mama didn't know me. And she said that's the ugliest thing she'd ever seen. <laughs> 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 and the bunkhouse was crazy. You know, he could say anything he wanted to say on the interviews, and and he could anything that he did to ring. It's you know he could just people have to look over him because he's a nut. And so it, it, I, I was I was more relaxed. I was more freedom. I had more freedom as bunkhouse buck, and it just. You know, from the minute that Robert told me that we want a guy like this that looks like this, 
and acts like this, I said, I'm your man. I'm perfect for it. Country boy like me from, from West Tennessee, you can't beat it. So it, it worked out well, you know, and I got with Dustin. Now, mind you, Dustin is a, is a good man in the ring. He's a good boy. And I really enjoyed that angle with him because he's a good worker. And I, I got that I got that match in, at the Rosemont Horizon in in Chicago, the Spring Stampede. They got it on mm-hmm. tape, you know, so I can watch it back over and over. Me and Robert was talking about that just the other day. He said, "Man, I watched that." He had it on his Facebook page, and he said, "I watched that match." He said, that gumdus match, man, he got suplexed in the ring by Dustin. <laughs> Blood everywhere. And so it worked at Dustin was great. I love Dustin. And his daddy. His daddy was too. You know, we wrestled against his daddy years ago. When I first started in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Eddie Graham. Went down there to the National Guard Armory and sold out. And I, lo and behold, a young punk like me, getting in the business in the main event with Dusty Rhodes. I was freaking out, a nervous wreck. <laughs> it was a funny thing because when we got in the ring, the referee's giving us the instructions, and I'm looking across there at Dustin, I mean Dusty, and he said, I'm about six sheets in the wind, baby. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Man, what am I going to do now? All I had to do was hang on. Dusty made me look like a million dollars. Let's pause one second and remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by Blue Chew and BlueChew.com. Now, you don't need to be a genius to know the benefits of using Blue Chew, but for those of us that need to be enlightened, how about this? It's the first ever chewable, so you don't need to go to that pesky doctor's office for a prescription. It's got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, and it's fast acting, and you can use it on a full stomach. And it comes in very discreet packaging, so your nosy-ass mailman isn't going to know what you're going to be doing and taking care of business in your bedroom later tonight. And if I had to give Blue Chew a grade, I would give it a G-O, as in go to BlueChew.com and use the promo code POWERTRIP and get your first shipment free and pay only $5 shipping. Again, it's bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Use the promo code POWERTRIP and take advantage of our very special offer because the benefits of Blue Chew outweigh any of the options that you may find out there. So get over to bluechew.com right now and why don't you go and spice up the finer things of life? That is great. I mean, Dusty Rose, one of the old-time greats, such a legend, and I love that uh, <laughs> he's telling me, hey, man, uh, uh, you know, I'm a little bit out of it right now. Uh, that's great. Yeah. I just think he had a few drinks or something, but didn't slow him down none. We had a heck of a match and blood and, you know, you name it. It was, it was a real experience for me. I learned a lot. So, you know, I had the great opportunity to work with some, you know, some guys that you could really learn from when I was first starting out. And, uh, you know, I worked with Dory Funk Jr. in about 72, maybe early 73 in Montgomery, Alabama. He was the champion. And, man, what a match we had. Same thing. All I had to do is just hang on, do whatever he told me to do. It made me look great. He made me look like I was the champion. Dory, Dory, Funk, Dory Funk Jr. And, and the way I saw it, Dory was the best. He's first class. 
that is great that you know not only you get to wrestle Dusty, you get to wrestle Dory, another legendary great NWA champion, known as just an absolute great worker, known as one of those guys who can literally just carry anybody, you know, to to a great match, and, and the fans would know no different. That's true. You did mention, and I have to mention this as well, Spring Stampede 94, if I could just rewind back to WCW. I absolutely loved that match. That's actually my favorite match that you guys had. And that card is stacked from top to bottom. If you look at it, I mean, you've got uh, Sting and Root on the card. I mean, you got uh, Flair and Steamboat. I mean, there's so many awesome, great matches that are on that card. It's just, it's crazy. It was. It was, and it you, was a heck of a card, wasn't it? And you and Dustin possibly was the best match of the night. So, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, I gave it my heart and soul. You know, it was it was the kind of angle and the gimmick that I could really get my teeth into. And I was just, you know, the money was good, and so I gave it everything I had. I'm going to tell you what, when I come out of there, I was a blowed up son of a gun, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was gassed. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, like, obviously the bunkhouse match and, and Dusty Rhodes made the bunkhouse stampede match. You know, he made that so famous. Is he the one that kind of created the bunkhouse buck gimmick? Who, who'd you say? No, uh, they, they was uh, the bookers at WCW at the time, according to Robert. And Robert was with them at the time they had him. And uh, Vergania, Greg, mm-hmm. Mike, Mike Graham, yep. Uh, I see Bill Dundee, I think, was in was in the office at that time. A bunch of them, and they went. They sent them to this cabin out in the woods somewhere for the weekend to put this stuff together. And they wanted they wanted a guy, a farmhand, a rancher, a roughneck hillbilly to fight Dustin in a in a like a bunkhouse match and they they said, well, we need us a bunkhouse a bunkhouse guy. Who who can we get that that we want it to look like that? Who can who can do it? And uh nobody had any ideas for anybody and Robert said, Well, I know somebody'd love to have it and they said, Who's that? And they Well Jimmy, my cousin. He's up in Knoxville looking for work. And they said, oh, yeah, Jimmy, what's he doing, man? Give him a call, see if he wants to do it. I walked in the house one day, and there's a message on the machine from Robert. He said, man, I've got something for you. He told me when he went down there, if I can get you in, I will. And his, the message said, give me a call. We're looking for this. And I called him, and he explained it to me, and I said, I'm your man. <laughs> Here we went. And you mentioned before that it was kind of like free for you. You don't have to worry about, you know, anything basically because you're kind of just a balls-to-the-wall kind of character where you, know, you can spit on somebody or, you know, chew tobacco or do anything kind of outrageous to the fans and, and, you know, they just kind of roll the punches because you're playing this kind of badass, you know, redneck kind of guy. So kind of a, you know, a freeing character, if you will. It's kind of like a... A different character, so to speak, that you can kind of play. And you mentioned that it was easy for you to play that character. Was that kind of the most fun you had? Was it the Bunkhouse Buck run? Yep. Yeah, it was. It, it was. Especially there with WCW. Uh, it, it, yeah, I had more fun with that. The heel is more fun anyway. To 
start with. Found that out, you know, baby faced for 10 years before it turned heel. And, and uh, but then the bunkhouse thing come along, and it was it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it, and working with all them guys, they were all great. And it was, it was sad to see it all end, you know, but it did. All good things got to come to an end, right? Yep, very true. <laughs> oh, but yeah, Bunkhouse it was just a free man, you know. But one thing about the fans, now I argue with them and fuss all day long, but I won't spit on them. I don't intentionally spit mm. on anybody or, or throw anything on anybody. You know, I, I don't know. They don't have to do that. You know, I get my heat, you know, with my opponent and, and then in my interviews. So, but now the fans, the fans I love, they're my kind of people. And they're the ones that supported me all my life. So, my, you know, I, my heart goes out to the wrestling fans. I love them all. Whether I'm a heel or baby face, whatever. Because they, they're, the one, they're the backbone. Now, in WCW, when you were there at Bunkhouse Buck, obviously after the feud with Dustin, you start teaming with Dirty Dick Slater. Still, obviously, it's not there, but you guys win the W. Something I think that goes overlooked is that tag division at that point in WCW was pretty loaded and pretty stacked, including yourself and Dick Slater as a team, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Had a lot of talent there. Uh, and, and kept getting more and more. You know, there was just that big competition thing with WWE. Uh, uh, Eric Bischoff was, was the man down there in charge, or, or the one of them. And they were getting a lot of Vince's talent. Now, you know, Randy Savage, Macho Man came down, Hogan, and uh, uh, Big Diesel, and uh, Razor Ramon. You know, a lot of them that kick started coming down. It just they just couldn't. Vince still won. <laughs> <laughs> still the man. My hats off to him. He's still, he's still the man. For a brief period of time, someone was finally able to beat a McMahon, though. WCW did dominate for those 83 weeks, really more than 83 weeks. It was more like two years WCW dominated the WWF. Were you surprised kind of during that Monday Night Wars that WCW was actually able to beat the almighty, almost unbeatable Vince McMahon in the WWF? Well, yeah. I knew that the competition was hot and heavy, but I didn't know exactly who was doing what with the numbers. Who was out doing that? You know, you you hear different stories and stuff, but it seemed like that both of them were doing good at the time. And man, there was there was been a lot of money spent on talent from uh, for WCW, especially bringing in Hogan and Macho Man and all them guys too. I mean, it was making a lot more than me. Hmm. Uh, so you know, it, it seemed, I never really knew. I never did. I never did say. That uh, that WCW did better than that. I never did hear that part. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, man. And you know, it was it was going on, and like I said, Vince ended up the man in the end. So now you don't exactly know what happened. My contract was up down there after a couple of years, and and I left. I started working independence, and the next thing I knew that 
you know, Vince was buying Turner out, that they came to some kind of deal or something. I, you know, I didn't know the whole story, but WCW was no longer. Were you shocked at that point? Uh, not really. Not really. Uh, you know, I, it's some of the the people that was running the things down. I, I did it. What 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 got to me was uh, they had they had uh, Greg Gunn, Robert Fuller, Mike Graham, Bill Dundee, uh, uh, Kevin Sullivan was in there for a while. Uh, Rick Flair was in the office. He had all these great minds that you know knew the business from beginning to the end. Because they'd done it all and knew how to draw money, but they still couldn't make it work. That's disappointing, you know. Mm. So much for me, but for for Ted Turner and WCW and them that was trying to make it go and outdo Vince, you would have thought they'd have been able to do it. But they couldn't, they couldn't keep it together. Yep, they were well on their way. Yeah, see, they had they had too much, they had too much invested in their talents. The way I see it, they couldn't draw enough to pay all that talent. Van Vader was in there making big bucks, man. They cost a lot of money for all them guys. You uh, think that politics also played a role? Was there a lot of backstage politics that you witnessed uh, during your time in WCW? I didn't pay any attention to that, John. You know, uh, I I just, like I said, you know, I just wanted to be one of the boys. Have a good time, have a good match. Make my dollar and go home. Uh, I never I never tried to be a booker. Now, Robert Nim always tried to get me to do some booking and stuff, and I ran backwards from it. If I had it to do over today, I, w- I would be different. I would have done it. I had a little taste of it here in Knoxville, and, and I enjoyed it. Uh, and I, but I was just too wild and crazy in my younger days to <laughs> settle down enough to, you know, to sit down and focus, pay attention, you know, put put these storylines together and uh, and know how to run a show. A lot of these local promoters I work for, they don't know how to run a show. It's all a big mess. That's that's one reason the business is what it is today down here. It's just you know you got you got a half a dozen local guys that want to be a wrestling promoter here, and a bunch of gunsels that think they can be a wrestler. They get in there, they don't know nothing, they don't know about what they're doing, and it takes time to be able to do that stuff, man. You got to be trained right. Do you follow current wrestling anymore? I know, obviously, some of the guys that you're witnessing that maybe aren't doing it right or not training the guys right or, you know, psychology, things like that, but do you follow current wrestling at all? Not not locally here. I, I, I don't anymore, John, uh, because it's just ain't worth paying attention to. It's pitiful. You know, I know Vince, he, he does do it the best he can. I don't watch his show much either, either. Well, you know, just it's not the same anymore. And he does a great job of training guys down there in Tampa. 
you know, they 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 try and put them through the school down there, but you know, it just doesn't quite seem to be the same. You know, we don't have Dusty anymore and guys like that 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 could do that rap and had that jive about them, you know. And yep, and had that charisma. Yep. Yeah, and Hogan. You know, Hogan, you know, he's a, he was a great showman. He had the interview, and the, he didn't do a lot of wrestling, a lot of stuff, but, you know, he looked great. He, he's a box office man. When you put Hogan on the cards, you're going to sell out. Right? That is 100% true, and that uh, was, was a big reason WCW was beating WWF for when it did, because they, you know, they had Hogan. They had the, the biggest draw ever in the history of the business on their side. Now, as we start to wind it down here and, and head for the finish, I got to ask you because you know we were talking about Continental and WCW and you know, Jimmy Golden and the difference with Bunkhouse Bucks. But do you have some favorite matches? Kind of looking back, not necessarily Spring Stampede against Dustin or some of the ones we mentioned, but some of the ones we didn't mention. Do you have some favorites? You know, we, we mentioned the Armstrongs. We had some great matches. The stud stable, me and Robert, Dutch Mantel was with us there, and a young kid, uh, Brian Lee, prime time. Brian Lee was in the stable for a while. <clears throat> we all had some great matches with the Armstrong boys there, and, and you know, there was a lot of other guys that came through that, that uh, had good matches with. So, you know, it, it, this, uh, it was a lot of, lot of matches. Uh, it was a kid that I came up with named Ricky Gibson, and Robert Gibson's older brother. We came up together in Louisiana, and he was a heck of a worker, too. And me and him had some matches in Florida back in about 72, somewhere in there for Eddie Graham. Me and Ricky worked with Jerry Lawler and uh, Don Green. They were down there as a tag team, and we tore the house down a few times. It was always like a little competitive thing between me and Ricky. I give Lawler a suplex in the middle of the ring and stood him up as, as long as I could and tagged Ricky. Boy, and he'd come in and jerk him up and snatched him up there, and he's determined to hold him longer than I did. I thought he was going to fall over and break <laughs> his neck or something. And it, it just, you know, so it, and Ricky was was fantastic, man. So we had and, and Jerry Lawler. You know what he was like. Don Green was a heck of a worker, so we had some great matches. And you know, out of forty-something years, man, it, it was quite a few. But I was fortunate enough to be in a ring with a lot of good guys that could get the job done. Now you mentioned Ricky Gibson. I got to mention Robert Gibson and the Rock and Roll Express. You guys had some great matches in, in Smoky Mountain that are very, very memorable, and that home run after home run. It was. It was because, you know, there's Ricky Morton and and Robert. Uh, They're both really good in the ring, man. It's it's easy to do. You know, if if you got the talent, man, it's easy to do. It's easy to have them kind of matches. And, uh, boy, I enjoyed them all. I look back, I miss it. It's all over now, though, brother. But I'm going to be in New York City at that Plaza Hotel. That's not done yet. Signing autographs, taking pictures. Saturday, the 10th of November. 
Yes, the big event in New York City, Saturday, November 10th, the Guardia Plaza Hotel. It's going to be great. Hearing from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. More information is on the Captain's Corner free web store, or you can check out Captain's Corner on Facebook as well. Just going to be a phenomenal show. Now, one kind of big final question that I, I got to ask is, what do you think that your legacy on the business, what kind of stamp do you think you left behind on the business? Obviously, there's a whole family lineage and legacy and history involved in you and your career as well. You know, I, I just hope that it made a lot of fans happy. That they, you know, and I'm sure that we did. You know, we busted our ass to whether it was heel or a baby face. We we try to entertain them, and I, I'm hoping that uh, I feel like that a lot of fans and here in Tennessee and Alabama, throughout the South, and in other parts of the world, that they they enjoyed themselves. That they uh, they saw some good matches out of Jimmy Golden, Bunkhouse Buck. They definitely 100% did. And if you're in the New York City area on Saturday, November 10th, definitely head over to Captain's Corner's table and meet Bunkhouse Buck and meet Colonel Robert Parker as well because I think that's such a great and rare photo opportunity that you take advantage of. I feel like Nick over at Captain's Corner always gets these great rare guests. I don't know how he does it sometimes, but uh, he does a hell of a job getting some rare guests. So that is really cool that you guys will be together taking some photo ops. One other person I need to mention, Larry Sabisco. Oh, yeah. A good friend of mine, and he a great wrestler. He's going to be there. I think he's going to be there. Yep, Larry Sabisco, living legend, and even head shrinker Samu will also be at the table as well. So just a lot of good, rare guys and a lot of big-time names in the history of the business. So that is going to be something to look forward to for sure. You're going to be there, John? Yes, I will be in attendance Great. that day. Looking Great. forward to meeting you and uh, yes, and obviously Colonel Robert Parker as well. Yes, sir. Now, is there any kind of plugs that you wanted to get out there? Is there anywhere for the fans kind of to reach out to you? Do you have social media or anything like that? No. You know, I, I need a Facebook page, uh, John. Uh, never gotten into it. Robert and him's all, you know, got the Facebook page, and his brother Ron's got a podcast. And, mm-hmm. Yep. You know, oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm still working on that. Uh, you know, I may, I may have that in the near future. Facebook and maybe a podcast. We'll just have to see. There's been a lot of things going on here in East Tennessee here lately with just family affairs and things. So, but as soon as I get smoothed out here, buddy, we, awesome. may, we may be getting it going. Nice. So we will definitely look forward to that, and we're definitely will look forward to seeing you at the big event in New York City, Bunkhouse Buck, a.k.a. Jimmy Golden. Thank you so much for all the time you gave us here tonight. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.